Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman. Today is the third sermon in our series called, Can God Really Do It? Our text today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And this morning, I'm going to preach about an aspect of salvation that divides many Christians. This is the aspect that's known as once in grace, always in grace. Let's read from God's word. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see, in this verse, the Apostle Paul makes a bold statement concerning his salvation. He tells us that he is confident that his salvation is eternal in nature. But is it really? Is salvation something we can count on, or is it something we must simply hope will work? Is something will work out for us in the end? Can a Christian truly have absolute assurance that he or she is saved? And can the Christian be sure that he or she will never be lost again? Is there anything you or I could do that would cause Jesus to take away our salvation? Is it possible for us to decide that we didn't want to be a Christian anymore and lose it that way? What I'm asking is, can God really keep you saved? You know, there's many people that would say no. Many denominations hold a view that says a man can, by the exercise of his own free will, turn away from God to sin at any time and be lost. This is a view that's held by many denominations in the secular world. The majority of Protestant denominations believe that it is possible for a person to be lost after they have come to Jesus Christ for salvation. This view is called the Armenian view of salvation. It teaches that man's free will allows him the right to choose between salvation and sin at his own choice. This view of salvation is based on a faulty understanding of the Bible and of salvation itself. Slipshod theology is the root of the Armenian point of view. We believe, on the other hand, that once salvation has been granted by God, salvation can never be taken away. See, we Baptists, on the other hand, believe that once salvation has been granted by God, it can never be taken away from us. We hold that once a person has been saved by grace, that they are forever saved and nothing will ever be able to change that fact. We believe that man is saved by the exercise of his free will, but that at the moment of salvation, the believer is instantly and eternally changed and adopted into the family of God. We believe that the believer is declared righteous through justification and that eternal life is a present possession. We hold that it is impossible for a born-again person to ever be lost or to ever go to hell. Now, who's right? 
Can salvation be lost, as many of the church world teaches, or is salvation an eternal gift that can never be taken back? I believe that Paul clears up this issue in this verse. Please allow me to take this verse this morning, as well as some other supporting texts, and answer the question, can God really keep you saved? By the way, my answer at the onset of this is God can do it. Yes, God can do it. Hopefully we'll be all the same mind at the conclusion of this message. Let's look at Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion involved a person. Paul says he knows in whom he had believed. When Paul was saved on the way to Damascus, his conversion was the direct result of meeting a person. Acts chapter 9 verses 4 through 6 says, And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying and voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, and it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Paul was a very highly educated man. Acts chapter 22 verse 3 bears that out. And he was a holy man when his life was compared with the requirements of the law. Look at uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3 verse 6. But his salvation could never be earned with these things. It took a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to bring about Paul's salvation. This is the way that conversion happens for every person who ever gets saved. No one ever earns their salvation by good works. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 bears that out. And neither can it be brought about by learning a bunch of Bible verses or church teachings. Salvation is the result of personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and 1 John chapter 5 verse 12. You see, no amount of goodness or education will ever produce salvation. It is always and only the result of meeting Jesus Christ in a very personal way. See, Paul's conversion involved a plan. Notice that when Paul says his conversion was the result of belief, his conversion was the result of belief. See, salvation cannot be worked up or prayed down. It can only be accomplished through simple faith. Notice what the Bible says about the means and manner of salvation. Look at John 3.16, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, John chapter 3, verse 36. You see, salvation can only be yours through faith in Jesus Christ. What is faith? The word faith is defined as complete confidence, trust, or reliance. Faith, in regard to God, means having total trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of one's soul. It means trusting Jesus and him alone and him completely for salvation. Faith is absolutely essential for salvation. Faith implies letting go of one's self-effort. Being saved means that we are to trust Jesus Christ and him alone for the salvation of our soul. It's always based on absolute belief. Now, one word that arises is doubt. I say this because everyone suffers from doubt once in a while. 
Being saved doesn't mean you stop being human. Being saved doesn't mean you will never sin again. Being saved doesn't mean you'll never think another ugly thought when that car cuts you off on I-65 South in Nashville. Being saved does mean that you let go of your self-effort when you doubt and allow your faith and God to take the wheel. And yes, my fellow preachers and teachers of the word, being saved doesn't mean you should become so pious as to turn your face from the things that your fellow man struggles with. On the outside, we may appear to not allow sin to enter our lives, but in reality, we are all born under the same sin of Adam, and we all struggle from time to time. I would tell you my story, but there isn't enough time in this lesson to go there, other than to say my prayer was once, Psalm 144.1, Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. So Paul's conversion involves a permanence. Now notice the words, the use of the words. He says, I have believed. In the Greek, this verb is in the perfect tense. That means that it is an action that has been completed in the past, once and for all, not needing to ever be repeated again. Paul is saying that when he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, it was a one-time-for-all action. He says that what was accomplished then was also finished then. Paul knows that his salvation is a permanent thing. It never needs to be redone, and it will last forever. The same is true for the salvation you and I enjoy through Jesus Christ. When you come to Jesus, the work he does in you is a permanent work. It will never have to be repeated. In fact, it cannot be repeated. You see, if salvation were ever lost, it could never be redone until Jesus came, was a vir- was virgin born, died on the cross, and rose again from the dead. Let's look at Paul's conversion. You know, there may be some listeners that wonder why I have given the plan of salvation in a message about eternal security. The reason is simple. You must be saved before you can be confident of salvation. After telling us about his salvation, Paul shares with us why he has the confidence in Christ that he does. Let's look at Paul's confidence. First of all, it's based in the person of God. Paul says this, I know in whom I have believed. The word know here means to know by personal experience. Paul is telling us that he has the confidence he does in the Lord because he knows the Lord. He has experienced God's power firsthand, and he knows what God can do. People who have assurance of salvation have a strong personal faith in God. They believe in a God who is all-powerful. One who does what he has promised and one who is able to bring salvation, that is our God. Those who doubt whether or not God can save them and keep them saved often have an imperfect view of who God is. So let me ask you this. Who is God to you? Is he an all-powerful, able being who does what he says perfectly? Or is he weak, imperfect, and unable to do what he says said that he would do? You can choose, but I'll take my powerful God any day of the week. 
because that is exactly what he is. Any God that can speak a word and speak everything into, into existence of all creation, that's my God. That's the God that I serve. You know, part of Paul's confidence is also based in the power of God. You know, next thing that, that, that Paul reminds us is that God is able. You see, this word simply means that God has the power to do a thing. Paul tells us that his salvation, and ours as well, is based in the power of God. Paul tells us that we are kept by the power of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. In simple terms, our salvation is only as strong as God's power to keep us saved. You see, the bottom line is this. If our salvation depends on anything less than the power of God, then we are all hopelessly lost. If those who teach that a clean, holy life is essential to maintaining one state of salvation, then we are all going to hell because we are all born under the same sin of Adam. If, however, salvation is maintained by the power of God alone, then we don't have anything to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. After all, we serve a God who is infinitely powerful. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 37, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 4. Part of Paul's confidence is based in the promises of God. You see, Paul tells us that he is persuaded about God's ability to preserve the soul. Paul's confidence is not a blind leap into the dark, but it is a confidence based squarely, squarely upon the precious promises of God. Notice the promises related to salvation that you and I can take to the bank. Salvation is by grace, not works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. I'll put that in the bank any day. Everlasting means exactly what it says. John chapter 6 verse 47. John chapter 3 16. Everlasting life is a present possession. John chapter 3 verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Salvation is Christ's gift and will never be revoked. John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Nothing can remove us from his Father's hand. Look at John chapter 10, verse 29. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. More promises. The believer is no longer condemned. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and, and, and John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth, what does it say? Believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. More promises. Sin is not charged to the believer. Look at Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Nothing can separate the believer from the love of God. This is important. This is an important promise. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a promise. The believer will never be cast out. Look at John chapter 6 verse 37. The believer has been born again and cannot be unborn. Look at John chapter 3, 3 and in chapter 5 verse 7. The believer is called a child of God and the father-child relationship is one that cannot, I repeat, cannot be ended. Look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. You see, in the very simplest of terms, Paul is telling us that he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can save the soul and that he can keep the born-again person saved. My friend, do you share the same confidence that held by Paul? Are you settled in the knowledge that Jesus Christ saves sinners? I am. Let's look at Paul's commitment. You see, Paul committed his soul. Paul was trusting Jesus, Jesus, with his eternal soul. I believe that this is the that that he was speaking of in this verse. And so are you and I. We need to be as confident in our salvation as Paul was in his, and we can be if we're willing to take the Lord at his word and accept the fact that he saves and keeps those who come to him by faith. Paul's commitment is dedicated by his commitment to his service. You see, Paul had given his life after salvation to doing what the Lord wanted him to do. Paul's total surrender was based in the knowledge that the Lord had saved him with a perfect salvation that would last for all eternity. Such a gift demands such a surrender. This is the principle taught in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. My friends, we are wasting our time serving the Lord if we are not kept by his power. It is true that his life is the best life. However, as Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 19. On the contrary, we serve and love him because of that which he has done on our behalf. Paul committed his salvation. You know, as this verse closes, Paul speaks of that day. He is writing about the day when we must leave this world and face the Lord in judgment. We talked a lot about judgment in the final countdown. He knows that when that day comes, he had better be found in Christ. For to be found in the flesh and in the substance of the natural man is to invite certain damnation. Paul knew that when that day came, he would be found in Jesus, regardless of what happened down here in his life. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. I am glad that I have that same confidence this morning. My salvation does not, nor has it ever depended on me or what I do. My salvation depends totally upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what he is able to do through his limitless power. My friends, there is no way I can present a complete discussion on a topic this deep in the time that we have allotted together.
However, I want every person who comes before us in the sound of my voice to know that there is a great big God in heaven and he keeps every saint he saves. He is able and he will bring us home again in one piece. The first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Remember, God keeps every saint he saves. He is able. He can do it. He, can, he will get us home in one piece. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. You know, as I close this message this morning, I want to ask you a really simple question. Have you ever been saved? If the answer is no, now, I want to remind you that God loves you and has made a way for you to be saved. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die the most cruel death at that time that was available to take your sins to the cross and bury them forever. He did that for you. He did that for me. If you'd like to get the matter of your salvation squared away this morning, then this virtual altar is open for you. If you're saved, I want you to know that God will take you safely home to heaven when you leave this world. Regardless of what the devil, the world, or the flesh does, God is still able to save to the uttermost. Let me remind you that God will finish why he started. My brothers and sisters, can God really do it? My answer is this. Yes, he can, he will, and he does. If you would, bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we seek your face this morning, we know of your generosity. We know of your love. We know of your faithfulness for all mankind, past, present, and future. Because we know that you can do it. Father, we know that you're still in the business of saving your people. And we know that you are our Father. And we come to you today, Lord. We ask you to bless us and help us understand the depth of your love by the, the death of your son, Jesus, and what he did for us on the cross. Because, God, we know not only can you do it, you did it. Lord, there are some in the sound of my voice today that have never accepted your son Jesus or placed their faith into something that is so awesome, so incredible, and so far above what any of us can really understand, Father, but we know we know we believe we have the faith of Paul. We know who we have believed. Father, I ask you this morning to speak to the hearts of those that are in the sound of my voice so they can know the love that you have for your children. God, please put aside their fears. I'm just not ready. I'm just not good enough. Put the words in their heart that God can do it and God did it. Urge them the need to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior.
Father, I know there are some here in the sound of my voice who are not saved. And there are some that are saved. But for whatever reason, they have fallen away. Maybe it was something that the pastor said to them. Maybe it was something that happened to them at church. Maybe it was life circumstances that caused them to fall over the wayside. Father, I, I don't know. But I ask you to speak to their hearts as well and let them know that you welcome them back and help them know that your son is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. Father, speak to them of your love and that we need warriors to win souls and keep people from going to hell. Father, I thank you today for the precious gift of your son, Jesus, and for his blood that was shed on the cross for all of us. For it's in his name, Lord, that I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If, there, if anyone made a decision today, I would like very much to know about it. Please send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit www.christ-lives.org and visit our contact page and leave us a message there. Names are not important. I just would, would like to know that you have received the word through this message. My brothers and sisters, I thank you for your time and attention today. And may God bless you and keep you. In God Jesus' name I pray. Amen.